Hello and welcome to From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is Blockchain Wayne bringing another cryptocurrency podcast. First episode back after Christmas. All right. Today's episode is brought to us by CoinCRT Club, mobile private key wallet and point of sale solution. Helping to make cryptocurrency safe, easy, and overall process more efficient while costing less. Today's episode also brought to us by the Crypto Current Conference in New Orleans, March 14th and 15th. Link will be posted with this podcast below, along with the early bird special and a discount code. Make sure to come on down to the Big Easy for the Crypto Current Conference. All right, so it's been a while since we've done an episode since before Christmas. Wanted to really just jump back in and really see what's going on with the market. It's been up, it's been down. Uh, you can almost say it could have walked away a week and a half ago and come back, and it might have looked about the same, but a lot's happened. So let's take a look at that. Current market cap today is sitting at $120 billion. Bitcoin dominance sitting at 52.89%. Bitcoin currently trading at $3,663. All right, got a little tongue tied there. So what does that mean? Where are we going? Now, I can tell you uh, today's episode is going to be focused a lot on just really not just how to read the market, but how to really be cautious about what's going on in the market. A lot of people in the market are calling, saying that 3,200 was not the bottom for Bitcoin, that we are falling lower. Many are saying 2,700, 2,500. And you know, that very well could be the case. But also, you've got to look at the fact that there's other people I'm watching that are, that are putting out technical analysis and it really lines up with a lot, saying that we're seeing an inverse head and shoulders completing. Now, the right shoulder of the inverse head and shoulders typically leads to a bullish run up, and they're saying this dip down back from 4,000 to 3,600 really has just been that right shoulder forming. Is that the case? Only time will tell. So I really wanted to dive in and look at what's going on. Really, what does it matter to read the market, right? Because I saw somebody post today in one of the Facebook groups that they felt that we were heading further down possibly to 20, as low as 2,500. But then in the comments, they also stated that even buying at 35 or 3,600 is not a bad buy. And this person kind of got crucified a little bit for making that statement, but I really understood what he was trying to say. If your intent is to trade, if you're a day trader, um, looking at what's going on with the market, you don't want to jump in because the whole point of a trader is to increase, get in and get out of, in a, of a trade so to make a profit. So you're not gonna buy at 3,500 if you think it's going down further. Now also, if you are just a long-term investor and looking to accumulate as the price goes up or down, then buying at 3,500 is a great deal. And that's really what he was trying to say. So I wrote down these, this insight earlier and I want to share it with you. So in every market cycle, for someone to sell at the top, someone has to buy at the top. For everyone, for everyone to buy, for to have someone to buy at the bottom, someone has to sell at the bottom. Nobody plans to be on the bad side of that trade, but someone always is, right? This is not just crypto. This is any market cycle, right? Bitcoin hit 19,000. That meant somebody bought it at 19,000. Guess what? Somebody sold it at 19,000. Bitcoin bottomed at 3,200 so far. Somebody bought it at 3,200, but guess what? Somebody sold at 3,200. So it's, you know, the question is, no one plans to be on the bad side of a trade, but someone always is, and which one will you be? Now, the answer it seems simple. Everybody wants to be on the good side of the trade, but it's not a simple answer. It's about what you do to learn how market cycles work. How much time and effort are you gonna put into learning how to use TA to determine best entry and exit points? 
And also whether you're a trader or an investor, and that's really what was being clarified in that Facebook post I was telling you about. So if you are a trader, you want to confirm trend or many, many signs pointing to where we're heading before you enter a trade, right? But if you're a long-term investor, then really trying to catch the bottom is like trying to catch a falling knife. And I'll describe that a little bit, a little bit further down in this episode. So, um, and then once you learn how and when to enter and exit a market, are you mentally prepared to handle it and execute it like you learn? I, I spent hours upon hours learning trading strategies and, and learning what to do and different T, you know, technical analysis or TAs to look at uh, different things to look as far as all these different indicators. But guess what happens when there's real money in the line? Your emotions get ahead of you. You you either jump too soon to sell, jump too soon to buy, or you trace or chase a trade that's really not working out your way. You put in a buy order, you want to buy something when it drops to a certain price, and instead the price starts going up. So instead of just saying, oh, well, I missed my entry point, you chase it beyond what a good entry point should be. So emotions are running high. You have to decide if you're going to let your emotions dictate the trade or your intellect. You must also realize to be a successful trader, you're not going to win every trade. Um, you, you just have to win most of them. And also, will one bad trade dictate your outcome, or will one good trade lead to you becoming overconfident for the next trade? Now, every market has a systematic cycle that transfers wealth from the impatient to the patient. So I'll say it again. Every market cycle has someone that sells at the top and someone that buys at the top. Every market has someone who sells at the bottom and every market has someone who buys at the bottom. So which one are you going to be? And let's talk about the bottom because a lot of people want to know, when should I buy? When should I buy? Right? And it really depends on what your intentions are. And that's what, that's what I'm getting to. So catching the bottom is like catching a falling knife. Now, you've heard me say that before, and you've probably heard other people if you're following other people, whether it's crypto. I mean, it could be any investor, stock traders, forex traders. You're going to hear that term thrown around really because a lot of people that are experts in the crypto trading have got most of their experience from trading stocks or trading forex. So what does that mean? You know, imagine throwing a knife high in the air, trying to catch it as it falls to the ground. Now, if you think about it, sure, a few a few will time it exactly and catch the handle on the way down. But many people, your odds are, are going to cut their fingers as they grab the falling knife by the sharp blade. So you want to take a look at some examples of why or why not to try to time the perfect bottom price to buy in? Not very different from the idea of trying to sell at the very top. First, it depends on your trading style. So this is where I was getting at. If your goal is to be a day trader, to be able to reap a profit, you know, uh, just, just within a short period of time to buy and sell, then you need to know how to enter and exit the market and when to buy. Now, maybe you're, you're, you're not a day trader, but you also don't just want to buy and blindly hold. You want to be a trend trader. You want to also follow the major trends and learn some of those indicators that are different for long-term trend trading versus day trading, right? You're going to look at uh, longer patterns. You know, you're going to, you may look at the one-day chart, the one-month chart versus, uh, you know, if you're day trading, you may be looking at the five, 15-minute or 30-minute chart, right? And, and the indicators you use are going to be different, but you've got to learn how to read them. And also you can't just go off of one indicator. You got to learn how to utilize all of them. So that's really what I talk about when catching the bottom is like catching a falling knife. If you want to get some skin in the game, you don't want to day trade. You don't have time to watch the charts, but you know, you need to get some money in crypto. I mentioned this before dollar cost average is your best way to go. Yes. So we're at 3,600 right now. You're thinking about entering the market, buy some, don't spend all your money. But buy some, right? If we dip some, we go down, back down to 3,200, buy some more. We dip some more below, buy some more, right? Whether you got in at 
whether it's 3,500 or 2,500, you know, when Bitcoin three to five years from now is 100,000 plus or more per Bitcoin, it's not really going to matter that much whether you got in at 3,500 or 2,500. The last thing you want to do though is sit on it and then you're sitting at 5,000 when you could have bought at say 3,000 waiting for it to go to 2,500. You see what I'm saying there, right? So you get greedy and you miss out on those dips and that's where you kind of get cut. You know, that's your cut from trying to catch a falling knife. Either you miss it or you buy too soon and it dips even further and you've already spent your whole uh, amount you were, you were looking to spend and you don't have anything else to put in to buy further into the dip to, you know, lower your, your cost average. So it's something to think about. And, you know, the next thing I want to dive into, so we've talked about, you know, how to, how to, you know, what to do, what your strategy should be to time, time, how you enter the market. And it's really about upping your skill level and who to follow. And, you know, I've got a book on Amazon called From No Crypto to No Crypto. It's got some of the basics, some really good information, whether you've been in the market for a little while or you're new or you're just standing outside thinking about getting in. It gives a lot of good insight. And also it, it really, you know, I kind of point you in the direction of who to follow, where to get your information from, because there's a lot of bad players out there that are giving false information, just repeating what they're hearing from other people. And that's good to a certain extent, but you want people to be able to bring their own expertise or insight, should I say, to the table, because I'll, I'll be the first to tell you there's very few experts in the crypto space. Um, the other thing is, you want to look at, we're, we're nearing the end of the year, right? So 2018 crypto nightmare is almost over, but will 2019 be the year we're hoping for? And this is merely insight from a price standpoint, because many people argue, including myself, if you followed this podcast for any time, I really like to highlight the news and the articles that are pointing at crypto mainstream adoption, things being put into place, infrastructure being put in, major companies, major institutions that are pumping money, not into buying, not just buying crypto, but putting infrastructure in place to hold crypto, to trade crypto, or to implement cryptocurrency and blockchain combined, right? So all that infrastructure is being put in, working products we've seen. So let's dive and take a look. What is it going to take for the bulls to return when we talk about market price data? You know, we're all hoping from a technical standpoint that this is an inverse head and shoulders form that's forming because if you look up inverse head and shoulders, you will see that that is a very bullish pattern. And typically, uh, just as you can imagine, the, the pattern forms looks like uh, maybe someone upside down standing on their head. Uh, the shoulder forms, it de you know, dives deeper for the head and then another spike and a dip for the right shoulder. And once that completes, you typically see a skyrocket up. That's what happened when we were around the 6,000 price range, uh, probably about five or six months ago when we saw the price jump all the way up to 10,000 uh, before it lost momentum, lost steam. And so what's really going on? So liquidity, demand, and volume is the first thing that it's really going to take for the bulls to return. And we've seen that kind of diminish over time. And there's a couple of reasons for it. You know, I, I found a few a few bits of information from an article on one of the new crypto news sites called Bitcoinist, but also threw in a little bit of my own insight, you know, backed B-A-K-K-T, which is owned by the uh, ICE, which is the owner of the New York Stock Exchange, them launching their platform, their futures platform. It was originally supposed to be early December, has been pushed back to uh, end of January. You know, that could bring a lot of liquidity and volume that we've seen diminish over time in the crypto market. Now, in a bear market, typically, you know, selling gets exhausted and you see volumes drop anyway. Back could possibly bring that back. Back that even issued a statement. Many people were kind of, you know, bearish whenever back, uh, 
delayed their launch, but Bact issued a statement basically saying that it wasn't, it wasn't because of the bear market that they delayed their launch. It was because that their customer pipeline filled up quickly and they wanted to make sure they had the infrastructure in place to support those customers. So it's really actually a good thing. And we've also seen another reason for the low liquidity and volume has been the slump in the ICO market. So many ICOs launched in 2017 and there was very little regulation around ICOs. So you were openly able to invest in any initial coin offering that was coming out. So, uh, but most, most of those to invest in them, you needed Bitcoin, you needed Ethereum. So a lot of people were buying Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, and then sending them over to invest in these ICOs. That drove a lot of volume. Uh, you also saw a lot, you know, a couple of major scams that were out there that some people fell for, whether it was USI Tech uh, or BitConnect. Those were huge, huge. Now you can see them for what they are as Ponzi schemes. But if you just said that and call it November, December of 2017, you know, many people in those communities would have attacked you. But that's exactly what it is. Many people were buying Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, buying what they needed to to get into those programs, uh, and that was driving the price up. But also, throughout this year, a lot of volume has been hidden in what we call OTC or over-the-counter markets. Large whales, large institutions, people looking to buy large sums of Bitcoin without moving the price are buying over-the-counter. They find a buyer and a seller, and they link them up together, and it doesn't go on an exchange. So it doesn't show us volume. It doesn't impact the price. Whereas before, if somebody was selling or buying, call it say 30,000 Bitcoin, that would move the market in a huge way because of our low market cap. Now, a $30,000, I mean 30,000 Bitcoin sale, as huge as it is done on an OTC market, will not move the price at all because it's hidden from the market data. So that's something that, that really led to low liquidity and volume. Back could bring that back. Also, ETF or no ETF, right? We've seen a bunch of ETFs get denied. Um, VanEck still has the best shot at approval, waiting on the SEC to issue a formal ruling, yay or nay. And so far, all we've gotten was two delays on the VanEck one in particular. Many other ones have been turned down, but VanEck looks like it has the best shot at approval. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, who is very pro-Bitcoin, says she's doing what she can to convince her colleagues to approve. Um, February looks to be the time we'll see a decision. Now to quote Hester Pierce, this is her quote. She said, I do caution people to not live or die on when a crypto or Bitcoin ETF gets approved. You all know that I'm working on trying to convince my colleagues to have a bit more of an open mind when it comes to crypto. So that's from Hester Pierce, one of the SEC commissioners. And also just to kind of go on the other side of that, here's a statement from Jay Clayton, who's the SEC chairman. Jay says, I want to see better market surveillance and custody for digital currencies before being comfortable with a crypto ETF. A lot of that you're seeing what's happening, right? Market surveillance, you know, I think that's what's still in the works, but custody, a lot of companies have been focusing. They realize that crypto custody is going to be a huge business uh, in the near future. Uh, what else can help bring the bulls back? So um, a new year, you know, you know, more bullish bets from CME and CBOE futures. Uh, when you think about it, the, the futures really started in December of 2017, right at the, right when things were starting to cool off and die down for Bitcoin and the crypto markets when we truly entered that bear market. Now, many people at the time didn't realize it was the bear market yet, but that's really where it happened. So getting Bitcoin as low as it is, you know, currently trading around $3,600, you know, will you, think most people will bet on it to go up 
And that is what we could see happen as the new year starts and a new outlook on crypto in 2019. The other thing I've mentioned is numerous times, genuine use cases for crypto, right? Can you go and spend it somewhere? Can you use it? Does it solve a real problem? Many do. Many don't though. There's thousands of cryptocurrencies out there now. There's only a handful that are going to make it. So make sure there's nothing wrong with being bullish on one. And there's, I'm not just saying the ones in the top 20 or top 50 market cap. Forget market cap. What is their project? Right. Just today alone, we saw a project called Komodo that that launched, you know, went up 18 percent despite the, the bearish um, dip and for the rest of the market. And that's because I've been watching Komodo for some time and they haven't been rewarded in the past for the work they've been doing. But if you look at the development team, they have been working hard. I mean, that's they have one of the most active blockchains out there. Um, and, you know, that that's what's leading to to where they are, right? Genuine use cases, right? And and not just genuine, but is there really a need, right? You heard one of the interviews I've done recently where someone kind of talked about Denticoin, right? Do you really need a cryptocurrency specifically to pay your dentist? No, you don't, right? So that's, that's really not what it's about. But is there a need, right? Is there a need for a cryptocurrency? And does that particular cryptocurrency solve that problem? If it is, then that's going to lead to more adoption. And I think we're going to get really get somewhere when you see people buying cryptocurrency or using cryptocurrency and not even realize they're using it, right? Perfect example would be in the form of what you would call reward points from certain companies or retailers. What if that converted over to cryptocurrency that's on the blockchain that could be transferred over, uh, could be bought and sold, but also could be used, right? That is a genuine use case that could happen when it comes to crypto and blockchain. And then, you know, stable coins, I'm not a big fan of stable coins. They do come, they do serve a purpose when it comes to trading. Stable coin is merely just a coin that's pegged to the U.S. dollar or another fiat currency. Now, fiat currencies themselves are not stable, but they're more stable and things have been in a volatile market. Uh, but it's a way, kind of a safe haven for traders to move their funds. But if you think about it from a fundraising standpoint, think of all the ICOs in 2017 that raised money in Ethereum. And now we saw the value of Ethereum go from $1,000 to under $100. You know, now it's over $100, but right around that $100 range, right? 90% of value gone. And when you think about that, what if they had raised that money and converted it into a stable coin or even accepted stable coins? They would still be holding a lot of their funds. So you could see a good use case for stable coins to replace cryptocurrencies in, in the short term. Long term, there's some other cryptos that I think would dominate. But we will see, we, and we already are seeing a lot of stable coins that are coming out. I uh, doubt they're coming to the rescue, but that's really what's happening. So um, i give you a lot of, lots to think about today. I uh, definitely want you to really, you know, just look back at 20, 2018. It's easy to look back in hindsight 2020. So, yeah, uh, if you were in this market since January, you got, I should have sold in January and I should have bought back recently. But, you know, hindsight's 2020. Nobody knows where the market's going. Everything is just an educated guess. But I think in hindsight, too, when you look at it, we are really still early to the game. And when you look, you look forward as what's going to happen with crypto and where things are going, if you're invested in the right projects, you're going to win. Whether you bought Bitcoin at 15000 or you bought it at 5000 or you bought it at 3200 or maybe you buy it lower at 2500 if we hit that, right? You are in the right place at the right time. And... You know, but I also want to warn you when it comes to projects, look at those ones. I'm going to go back to genuine use case. 
Because when you look at genuine use case, that's what's going to dictate the future value of many cryptos, not hype, not speculation. That may do it for a short term, but also go back to, say, coin market cap and look back three years, four years at, at the coins that were in the top 20, call it. Most of them aren't there anymore. They may be still active, but they're dead projects that are way down on the market cap list. And guess what's going to happen three to four years from now? It's going to be the same thing, right? So really educate yourself on what's going on and really decide ahead of time what's, what's your trading or investing style. Short-term day trader, kind of mid-term trend trader, you know, go with the general market trends. Are you just going to buy and hold and as things go down, you're just going to accumulate more and lower your dollar cost average. And as it goes up, still you're going to buy some more. Or are you going to be a user? Are you going to use your crypto, spend it in places that accept it to help drive some of that mainstream adoption? So you know some some thoughts for you to think about today so i definitely want to thank everybody for listening and we will catch you on the next episode